0: This is the forty-five hundred one podcast, episode forty-one, climbing Mount Fuji in Japan. We add those beer bottles that we got during college. Do you remember those? The Mister Beer ones. No, no, not, not the Mister Beer ones. Like the, the heavy seas ones that we got from like Beltway Liquors.
1: Yeah, and you said you're gonna drink them once you got your PhD.
0: No, well, I did. No, 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 no. Once I got into grad school. Oh, into grad school. Okay. Yeah, not, not. But you never drink. I drank them. champagne when I graduated from grad school. <laughs> let's be, let's be clear about that. There we go. In any case, um, no alcohol talk here. Uh, we welcome to a new episode of the Forty Five One Podcast. Um, today, if you couldn't tell from the episode. We will be talking about climbing the tallest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, with Tony, right? Uh, I want not go that far. Let's uh, let's be honest. We are
1: talking about Mount Fuji, the tallest mountain in Japan.
0: Oh, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Mount Fuji, not Mount Everest. Mount right, Fuji. right. They're big difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually there are. Um so uh I guess let's just get right into it. Uh why did you decide to climb Mount Fuji?
1: Good question. Um, so the real reason is because I had such like a fantastic time doing the Salkanti trek in Peru to Machu Picchu, which is like a five day trek over the Salcanti mountain range. Um, it was like the highest elevation I've ever been in my life. And I wanted to like repeat that experience. And when I knew I was going to Japan, um, I actually didn't immediately know about Mount Fuji. I knew, I knew like the mountain existed, but <clears throat> I put two and two together when I was researching and I'm like... Hey, I want to do this. This is like uh, kind of like one of those once in a lifetime opportunities. So, um, Tali and I who was on the podcast a couple episodes ago, <clears throat> we both uh climbed to the summit of Mount Fuji just a couple of days ago. This is um September 30th. We're recording this podcast. So, yeah, that that's pretty much why.
0: Okay. Um Okay, so let's let's talk about Because I think most people, when they think of climbing a mountain, they think about climbing Mount Everest or something like that. So they have ice crampons, they have ice picks, they have these giant coats, they have these these tents they set up because it takes two weeks to get to the summit. They think of oxygen masks, they think of climbing Mount Everest. But is Mount Fuji like this whatsoever? Talk uh, about the actual mountain first, please. Please, yeah. Tony, talk about the mountain.
1: You got it. Uh, no, no. Fuji is not at all like Everest. So just to give you some specs here, Mount Fuji is right around 3,700 meters tall, which is just over uh, 12,000 feet tall. And I think um, Everest is like twice or maybe close to three times taller than that. So for... Uh, I will say most of the year Mount Fuji is covered in snow but for the period of time between I think it's sometime in May to early September there is ideal climbing conditions for summiting Mount Fuji which is actually uh, an active volcano. Um, but uh, so, so when you get to the top there is a rim that you can look down and see uh, into the volcano but that's past the point. Um, during this, this in-season climbing period between may and september there is no snow so you don't need to have any of those crampons or anything like that you can just wear your sneakers or your hiking boots i wear my sneakers to hike to the top and you don't need any of this like specialized equipment like those guys hiking everest need
0: yeah um and so when i think of mount fuji i think of like this picture or this this painting um i told my parents about it but they didn't know what i was talking about uh, do you know? It's like it's this wave to the like the left of the picture. And in the background is Mount Fuji. Do you remember this?
1: Oh, I remember it. It's uh, it's called the Great Wave. And um, it's a really cool. It's like one of the most famous Japanese pictures. Um, like iconic because of Mount Fuji in the background. And uh, Mount Fuji is like. It's like the spiritual place for a lot of the Japanese people. People go there on pilgrimages and um, uh, having it represented in this artwork is like, you'll see it all over the place. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, Mark and I, there uh, we'll, we'll stick a picture up on the show notes, which will be available at the 45 podcastcom
0: slash 41. Oh, no, we don't have to do that. We don't. because um, No, we don't. Because... And apparently, in your cell phone emoji sections, the wave that is an emoji is actually a smaller version of the Great Wave off Kanagawa. So, we do not need to put a picture or link to that picture, because you can just open up your iPhone or Android device and find it there. So, that's a fact. That is the Great Wave emoji. Yep. Exactly. All right. So, we're getting off topic here, Tony. <laughs> Stop we're, we're hitting some digressions. Um that's for sure. So let's talk about how you got to Mount Fuji. Talk about what you used to get there. Horse, you know, camel perhaps, train, car. What did you use? None of the
1: above. I was in Kyoto, uh and I took a train or we took a train, Tally and I, to the nearest city to Mount Fuji which was Fujisan so that was like a six-hour bus ride and um, it's funny because we were actually gonna we were gonna hike the mountain the next day or the within the next couple days but we were keeping a close eye on the weather and the uh, the forecast for the peak of the mountain was below freezing there were high wind gusts close to 70 kilometers per hour there was overcast so we decided to not climb those, those days that we planned to, what we ended up doing was we took another bus to Tokyo, which was a two hour drive. And we spent a couple of days there preparing a little bit more, getting some more warmer clothing. And then we took a bus back to, to- or back from Tokyo to Fuji. And then we ended up hiking the next day after that. So that was like a few days later, later that week on Friday.
0: Okay. Um, so one thing I didn't realize is how cold is the summit because you just talked about the weather report and stuff like that so if someone was trying to climb Mount Fuji obviously what should they pack to wear
1: yeah that's a good question so and this all this all depends on the time of year I can only speak to middle to late September on average Um, the summit's gonna be right around forecast it right around Zero degrees Celsius, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So you're borderline freezing at this point on the summit, which is much different from the ground temperature, which is upper 70s, low 80s. That's down at Lake Sea level. So you can imagine as you're hiking up the mountain, you're going to start at something that's really hot and then going to something that's really cold. So, and I should point out here that you don't actually start at the bottom of the mountain. You don't start at zero um, zero feet or zero meters. You have to start at uh, pretty much halfway up the mountain. Uh, We started at just below, right around 2,000 meters. So it was still like a change in elevation of a mile. You like literally hike up a mile. But over the course of uh, three kilometers, so it's really steep. Like If you look at Mount Fuji, it's like a perfect cone. But getting off off topic um, the key here for weather and for clothing is to layer so you want to have like a nice light, light like base layer another, another layer on top of that um, like maybe like a polyester or like a wool jacket and then uh, some type of windbreaker because you're up there above the tree, lo- the tree line and you're exposed to all the elements so if it is windy which it does tend to be windy you want to protect yourself from that wind. Um, so by layering, when you get, do get hot, you could take off a couple layers if you need to put them back on. If you get cold again, uh, what I found was like, if I took a long enough break as I was hiking up, like for lunch or whatever, I would start to get cold. Cause I wasn't using all my energy like I was when I was walking. So I'd have to layer back one when I'm breaking and then take the layers back off when I'm hiking again, when I'm starting to sweat and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's, sh- that should answer your question. I think.
0: Okay. Yes, that that, that does. <laughs> um, so Mount Fuji, cold, make sure you layer up. Um, so that's kind of cool. Let's talk about kind of the journey itself. So you, you talked about starting halfway, right? And so is, is that where the city is? Is that so?
1: Oh, no, no. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. So Fujisan okay. is uh, it's in the foothills of the volcano, um, but it's pretty much close to sea level you you asked me where we start hiking uh, we yeah, st- so
0: let's talk about the actual journey itself like where did you start and obviously you ended up at the top but but how there, there is some in between to get there right so right. just talked about walk us through your journey
1: right right so um let me just lay some groundwork here some to give you guys a better idea about how this works so you do have the option of hiking from the bottom on the mountain which if you do that you would be hiking from Elevation zero to elevation 3,700 meters. But the highest point that uh, a normal car can go or a bus can go on the mountain is up to the fifth station. And the fifth station's right around an elevation of 2,000 meters. So that's where we started hiking from the fifth station. Now, why is it called the fifth station? Well, before the fifth station, there's the fourth station, third station, second station, first station. And all that means is like it's a collection of buildings and lodges on the mountain that are grouped around the same area and that provide shelter for people um, hiking up overnight or you know whatever, they, they, they also have food there and water and whatnot. So um, because the highest point that a bus can go or a car can go is fifth station, we took a bus from Fujisan up to fifth station. We spent the night there and we actually got up the next morning at uh, 1 a.m. to start our hike and we got on the road at 2:15. we got on the trail at 2:15 in the morning and that kind of sounds like crazy but in order to hike a mile up in the air over the course of 3.1 kilometers it takes you a good six or seven hours so uh in order to try to catch the sunrise which was honestly one of the most epic things epic things i've seen in my life um you got to get up early so we were running on like three or four hours of
0: sleep that night. So are you allowed to camp on the mountain? Uh,
1: I don't know if you're, you're, you're probably allowed. Um, I don't know. Like I said, we, we stayed at a lodge, which is like a uh, a wooden shack with like a hostel dorm in it. Um, but as far as camping is concerned, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't see any public camping areas.
0: You just pitch tent up in the middle of the, <laughs> the trees or something
1: well so it's at the fifth station you're just below the tree line so anything above that you're going to just be out exposed on like a rocky mountain there's not going to oh, be okay. any gotcha. protection so gotcha. probably not
0: okay so don't don't camp on mount fuji
1: yeah yeah
0: bottom line all right and so so um talk about us about kind of the terrain that you went through was it just like all rocks was it barren you obviously no trees, but talk to us about that.
1: Well, yeah, we, we did start out in the trees. Uh, there's like a f- normal forest with like a trail going through it. And then after that, it, you, it was kind of like an abrupt like point where there was much, much less vegetation, no trees with thick trunks anymore. Maybe a couple bushes here and there, but mostly rocks, volcanic rocks and then um once you're once you get above that point uh you'll you'll start to keep on seeing like less and less vegetation and i'll talk about the trail here a little bit so uh there is you're walk you're walking on volcanic rocks and they did a really good job of having um a pretty clearly marked trail at some points it's like you know like st- Natural stones that they brought together to make into like steps where you can like walk up a staircase At points other places. You actually have to scale boulders and rocks to get up So there's some ropes there and chains to help you like guide your way And then there's also some other points where uh, the trail kind of zigzags up the mountain to make it less steep for you to climb up and um uh, i think the proper term for that is like a switchback so you you kind of walk up to the left make it like a 180 turn and walk up to the right and keep going up and up like that so that kind of gives you an idea about um how the terrain kind of changes over time and how the trail passes through that terrain
0: yep i i see some pictures here now um How many trails are there to get to the top? Is it just the one? Is that like the main trail? Or like are there other trails to get to the top that you Mm. can start from different places? Like, How does that work? Yeah, I think uh, based on my research, I
1: think there's like four trails to get to the top. The most popular one being the Yoshida Trail. And that is... uh, It kind of gets confusing when you're doing your research. I'll, I'll admit it because each of these trails has similar similarly named stations so like there's a fifth station on the yoshida trail and then there's a fifth station on one of the other trails i don't know their names but um what what people do what some people do is they walk up one trail get to the 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 rim of the volcano and then they walk down another trail what we ended up doing was we just uh, started. We did the Yoshida Trail only, but we walked up the Yoshida Trail and back down the Yoshida Trail. So, um, I think it, it would require it would require a lot more coordination if you wanted to hike up one side of the mountain, hike down the other side of the mountain, because you'd have to get like a bus back to where you started originally. We didn't have a lot of time to do any of that, so we just went up and down, and then caught the same bus back down to the city.
0: Gotcha. And these are like public public buses. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 Um,
1: so this is like a bus, uh, I don't know. Are they considered charter buses? Maybe where you have to buy a ticket in advance and yeah, that
0: sounds about right.
1: Yes. So so we went online to this bus company and bought the tickets there. Um, and I I think, I think maybe there is public buses during the, the normal climbing season between May and early September. But because we were climbing outside of that climbing season, there were, um, just only the charter bus options
0: gotcha and so can you uber there is there uber in japan oh that's that's a good point so there is uh
1: i i haven't used uber i'm not sure if it exists uber eats exists i know that but that doesn't necessarily mean uber exists in japan um i'll look into that i'll let you know next time but if you want to take a cab to the fifth station from Fujisan, guess how much it costs uh f- how, what's the distance? Um, it takes an hour, an hour.
0: Oh, it's an hour. Wow. It's that far away. Wow. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to say like less 200 than an bucks hour. then.
1: Yeah. It's like $160. It's insane. So you do not want to take a taxi there and the thing
0: take, take the bus. Yeah.
1: The, but if you, so the funny thing is the bus is very limited It in off season climbing, uh, the last bus is at 3 o'clock p.m., which is also why we got up at 1 in the morning to do the hike. If you miss that bus, you'll have actually another bus uh, back to to Fujisan at 5.40. But if you miss that bus, then you pretty much either have to stay on the mountain that night or get a cab. And to stay on the mountain, it's just as expensive, uh, at least in a budget backpacker's mind. Um, a the lodge costs, uh, like $70 per person for like, a, a basically a hostel room. So it's not, it's not cheap this, especially if you make a mistake.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then there's no hotels or anything, right? So if like a family wanted to go, they would have to stay in the hostel.
1: Yeah. they they do have some private rooms, which are even more expensive. Um, but yeah, there, there's no like Hilton or Hampton or
0: anything like that. That'd be insane. That'd be insane. Okay. So talk to us about reaching the summit of Mount Fuji.
1: Yeah. So like I said, after six, six and a half hours of hiking, you finally get to the top. And um, at this point, you're well above the clouds. So you're 3,700 meters above sea level. And I think the earlier you arrive to the summit, the less cloudy it's going to be because it seems like the clouds tend to roll in towards the afternoon so by the time we got up there the the skyline was partially cloudy so we could still see the ground um, and still see the clouds moving by and they were moving by pretty quick Um, so you get to see from the north side of the rim of the the volcano you get to see the five lakes um, that are famous for existing north of Mount Fuji. So that's really cool to see. You also get to see the city of Fujisan and it's really cool. We didn't see it, but I would love to go back and see it. You can actually see Tokyo, which is a two hour drive away from the summit of Mount Fuji on a clear day. But because there were those clouds rolling in, we cannot see Tokyo, but that would be a sight to see, I would think.
0: Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, isn't there, is there like a shrine up top? Cause, cause isn't Mount Fuji is a sacred mm-hmm. place for the Japanese people. Is there a shrine at the top? I, I, I've been told there's a shrine somewhere along the trail. There's, um,
1: so there's Buddhist temples along the way, especially down in the, like the tree line area, uh, below the tree line. Um, but at the top there are, uh, and I'm not well educated on this, but there's those, um, Japanese style gates that you can walk through and, um, I I forget what the the representation is um, at least religiously, but they are they do mean something spiritual for for uh, these people who are going on these pilgrimages. Um, so to answer your question, yes, there are these um, spiritual sites at the top of the mountain.
0: Oh, there's multiple. Yeah, there's, there's like multiple gates.
1: Gates. Yeah, you'll see them along the way. They kind of in a in parts guide you up the up the mountain. And we uh, unfortunately didn't know that at one point, because if we would have known to go to the gate, go through the gate, we would have went up the ascending trail, but instead we kept going straight. We didn't make the right to go up the ascending trail. We went up the descending trail. And um, it's actually funny because the, the, the reason there's two different trails is because when you're coming down the mountain, you don't want to be climbing over these rocks. Uh, these boulders, and they actually took a bulldozer, some type of vehicle, and remember how I was talking about the zigzag pass? Well, that's kind of how the whole trail is going down the mountain. So by uh, having like less of a incline when you're descending the mountain, you can actually kind of do like a a jog down the mountain, and they have this, the zigzag trail down the mountain with switchbacks and all that. They have it filled with... Um, finer volcanic stone so you kind of you're, you're kind of like pat it as you jog down the mountain so that's why instead of taking six and a half hours to get back down the mountain gravity's on your side if you do a little jog you can get down in probably like three hours i'm not really sure how long it took us but i'm gonna say right around three hours so half
0: as much time so um what do you think about the experience in general like you thought it was a very overwhelming like w- were you tired was it more physical do you find it more spiritual for yourself what do you think
1: um yeah it was extremely physical uh i i didn't have like a spiritual experience but it was definitely one of the coolest things that i've done um just because of the the natural beauty that you see when you're up at the peak and even like on the way up just looking back over your shoulder and seeing you you're literally walking into the clouds and above the clouds and seeing the sunrise with all of like the spectrum of colors from like the brightest pinks and oranges and yellows and all that stuff um it's kind of i, I, I hate maybe maybe i could use spiritual or like magical it's really cool really really cool
0: would you uh would you do it again yeah
1: absolutely i would uh 100 do it again maybe plan it out a little bit better and try to go on a <clears throat> a more clear day so I can see Tokyo off in the distance. Um, but in general, like climbing mountains, uh, as long as there's not snow on them, uh, is, uh, it's becoming a hobby of mine.
0: Well, you can hit up Mount Kilimanjaro next. That one's kind of easy to climb. Is that the one in South Africa? The, well, I don't know if it's or South Africa. No, it's, not, it's, it's, it's Africa. It's not South Africa. Africa. Okay. I think it's in Tanzania. Tanzania. I forget the actual country. Don't hold me to that. Don't make fun of me, listeners. I just know it's in Africa. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look into but that. There's also one that you should have went to Mount Aconcagua, but I think that one's a little bit more um, different.
1: Where's that at? That one's high.
0: <sighs> Peru. Casey Neistat climbed it. Oh, I remember I watching think. that. Yeah. Mount Aconcagua. It's the lowest. It's the high Lowest. <laughs> it's the lowest mountain in the world. It's the highest mountain in the world uh, in the southern hemisphere, or something like that, or, or, or the, the the western western hemisphere. One of the hemispheres. Um, well, whatever. All right. Well, just check them off the list, Tony. Yep, one by one. All right. Um, is there anything else you want to add about the Mount Fuji? I mean, the Mount Everest. I mean, the Mount Fuji uh, <laughs> climb.
1: Um yeah i I think just uh if you ever plan on doing it, definitely reach out to me if you're listening to this because I'd give you some tips and and that we didn't talk about on this episode but um go try to go during in season because uh, the trails technically closed during out of the season, and they have these big um, uh, blockades like preventing you from getting on the trail to begin with so uh, you can obviously hike around through the woods to get on the trail, and plenty of people do that. But I think just to uh, abide by all the rules and to uh, actually have a full experience about seeing Mount Fuji the way it's supposed to be seen, where all the um, the stations are open, because when we went, none of the stations above fifth Station were open. So um, uh, that's actually a really good point. So when we got to the top, there were... Uh, there were like lodging places that you can sleep, but because it was off season, you couldn't sleep there. So if you wanted to go in season, sleep at the top of the mountain on a volcano, that would be really cool.
0: Were there like water stations on the way? Like where did you get water from?
1: There was no water station you had to carry on water. Well, water obviously weighs a lot of weight, right? So uh, that's, a, that's a big uh, energy expenditure to carry that on your back the whole way up. Um, that is something that's different if you do climb in season. You'll be able to purchase water at the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth station along the way. Now, granted, that's going to cost you a lot of money. We spent, I think it was $8 on a 2-liter bottle of water at the 5th station. So I can only imagine how much it would cost you in season at like the ninth station. So, like I said, it's a little bit expensive, but well worth it with all the views.
0: Uh, it sounds like it uh so bring your own water people you know don't don't get uh don't pay the the fuji tax as we like to call it
1: (laughs) the fuji Um, tax i like it
0: well if there's nothing else you want to add tony um uh tony why don't you take us out thanks for listening to this episode uh tony take us out without screwing up
1: cool cool thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening to this episode we will see you in the next one
0: everyone thanks for listening to this episode please follow us on twitter at the 4501 podcast to keep up with the latest news and events if you have any suggestions for episodes or would like to contact us shoot us an email at the 4501 podcast at gmail.com